Welcome to Backlog Books. In this podcast, I will be, what will I be doing? Recapping and discussing what I've been reading lately. I've only been doing this for almost three years. My name is Kara. Thank you for joining me and please be prepared for spoilers. I am currently still reading Midnight's Children by Salman Rushdie. I started it at the beginning of January and I am going to finish it, but it is probably going to take me the rest of the month. There's just a lot. I just have a hard time with books that take me longer than a week to read. It just feels like forever. How dare something take me longer than a week to do? Um, let's get started on the book we're actually talking about this week, which is Little Thieves by Margaret Owen. Here is the summary. Vanya Schmidt knows no gift is freely given, not even a mother's love. Abandoned to death and fortune as a child, she has scraped by as a lowly maidservant with her quick wits and the ability to see her godmother's hands at work in the world. But when they demand her lifelong servitude in exchange, Vanya decides that gifts not given freely can always be stolen. When an opportunity rises to steal a string of enchanted pearls, Vanya seizes it, transforming herself into Giselle, the princess she served for years. As the glamorous princess, Vanya leads a double life, charming the nobility while ransacking their coffers as a jewel thief. Then, one heist away from funding an escape from her godmothers, Vanya crosses the wrong god and is cursed to turn into jewels herself. The only way to save herself is to make up for what she's taken, starting with her first victim, Princess Giselle. Little Thieves was published in 2021. The sequel, Painted Devils, was published in 2023, and there's a third book, Holy Devils, sorry, Holy Terrors, expected to publish in 2025. I'm not sure if it will be a trilogy and done after the third one, or a longer series. I couldn't find anything about that. Um, our author, Margaret Owen, is from Oregon. Her website says she was born and raised at the end of the Oregon Trail. Um, that's basically all the information I have about her. Good for her. Her first books were a duology, uh, The Merciful Crow, published in 2019, and The Faithless Hawk, published in 2020. I had a hard time getting into this one. I think I can probably blame that on the fact that at the time, what I really wanted was to read the final Lockwood & Co. book, but I was waiting for it to arrive at the library, so I picked up Little Thieves to fill the time. Um, so it's not really fair to Little Thieves for me to be, like, upset with it for not being the final Lockwood & Co. book. I should have just bought the empty grave and had it immediately. Um, but oh well. I did eventually get into this book and I ended up enjoying it. Um, I just had like a hurdle to get over at the beginning and I was that hurdle. What can I say? Um, and I want to say if you don't like memes and modern references in a fantasy secondary world book, this is not the book for you. Um, 
The main reason I mention this is that I saw a review where somebody was complaining about the memes in this book. It's not quite at the level of, say, Gideon the Ninth, but it is there. Um, so just be aware that that's happening in this book. They're going to make internet meme jokes. And honestly, young adult books tend to be rooted in the time in which they were published. I would expect nothing less. If you're trying to appeal to a young modern audience, it makes sense to make references that they would understand. This is also a heist book. Um, I can't believe I haven't read more heist books. I love heists. This is also another thing I love, which is a fairy tale retelling. There's a lot of good stuff in this book. Um, it It's a retelling of the goose girl told from the perspective of the servant in the story. I will include a link to a Project Gutenberg, um, like Grimm's fairy tales version of the story uh, in the show notes if you want to read it yourself. But the basics are... The wicked maid makes the beautiful princess swap places with her. The princess goes to watch the geese. The maid takes the princess's place in the castle. Eventually, the other goose watcher complains to the king about all the weird stuff going on around the new goose girl. So the king goes to see for himself. Based on what he sees, he summons the princess-turned-goose girl, and she explains what happened. Something horrible happens to the maid, and everyone else lives happily ever after. You get the idea. Little Thieves is told from the perspective of the wicked maid who takes the princess's place. And one of the things that this book does very well is explores how somebody would get to that point. Like, what events happen in someone's life? What reasons do they have for becoming the people that they become? Um, And not just, like personal events that happen, but like what wider societal structures brought all these pieces into place and made them fall out so that somebody believes that their best choice is to literally take someone's place and impersonate them rather than being themselves. Um, and the wider world building includes lots of folktale elements. There's kobolds, there's nightmare creatures, there's gods, there's spell work, and I think there's even some witches. And I want to expand a little bit on the gods before we go any further, because I think that's one of the more important pieces to understand. We mostly interact with so-called low gods. I don't remember if any high gods are discussed, so let's table that. Uh, low gods have specific domains they are in charge of, either an area or an idea. For example, our main character's godmothers are death and fortune. Low gods change depending on people's beliefs, which tend to be pretty cultural, as one might expect. So in one country, death would look and act a certain way, and in the next country be completely different. That was my understanding anyway, and it seems like the kind of world-building element that is ripe for dissection or at least further explanation and exploration in a later book. Our main character is Vanya, who is just a little scamp. 
actually, she's a schemy little gremlin, uh, and I love that for her. She's very focused on taking care of herself because she has learned that no one else will take care of her. We begin with a fairy tale inside our fairy tale retelling, Fairy Tailception, where we hear the story of a little girl left at the crossed <laughs> crossroads. A little girl left at the crossroads, abandoned by her own mother to the care of death and fortune. That's Vanya, abandoned very young in life. So we can perhaps begin to see how she arrived at the conclusion that no one wanted her and, in fact, only tolerated her based on what she could do for them. Though death and fortune raise her and find a place for her as a maid in a castle, even they have demands for her. She must choose either death or fortune to serve for the rest of her life. Told she has to pick to be a servant of one of her parents, Vanya reacts, let's say, negatively. There are other extenuating circumstances, which I will let you discover on your own if you decide to read this one, but the upshot of it is that Vanya decides to get the hell out of Dodge to move far enough away that her low god godmother's death and fortune will be different and no longer have a hold over her. And of course, if you're going to run away from the only life you've ever known, why not do it in style? Vanya steals a magic necklace from Giselle, the princess she has been serving for years, and uses it to take Giselle's place. She then uses her ability to change her appearance on the fly and her easy entry into the highest levels of society to steal from the wealthy to fund her escape. She has a very specific number in mind and knows she may ne never have a better chance to steal from so many rich people. It was a little bit like, girl, you already have enough to get out of here and set yourself up somewhere far away pretty comfortably. but. I understand that, like, people do not always act logically, and in fact, we sort of need her to stick around and get caught for this story to happen. So, on one of her final heists, Vanya accidentally offends another low god, Eiswald, a forest god, who curses her. Well, can't win them all. Vanya must make up for what she has stolen or in two weeks turn into the only thing she values, which is money. Vanya's like, could you be a little more specific about make up for? Because I've stolen a lot of things. Eiswald, as you might imagine, does not get more specific. Vanya spends a few days trying to do enough charity to make up for her recent misdeeds, attempting a variety of methods, including stealing more things, legitimately making donations, paying off other people's debts. Nothing she does has an effect. But, you know, she has to try. You can't just assume the god meant become a less selfish person or die. Maybe stealing more stuff and giving it away would work. You don't know. While she is trying not to die, another complication comes along, poor thing. Emmerich, a junior prefect who is there to investigate the thefts she has been perpetrating against the nobility, remember those? 
Vanya is confident that she can run circles around him and his investigation, free herself from the curse before she dies, escape from her godmothers, and get out of the country before she has to marry Giselle's repugnant fiancé. That is a perfectly reasonable set of goals for one person working on her own to accomplish. I'm sure it'll be fine. It's definitely a false veneer of bravado as more and more things go wrong and Vanya tries to handle everything on her own while also trying to trick and confuse everyone around her. She can't stop trying to get the upper hand. She's trying to do too much and she's starting to crack under the pressure. And then Emmerich, the person she thought for sure was the least of her problems, breaks into her room and tries to arrest her, having already figured out that she is the thief that he has been looking for. He claims that he is not that interested in her crimes, he's more interested in figuring out what Giselle's fiancé has been up to. Horrifyingly, Vanya will have to team up with him and, worst of all, Giselle, the princess she has been impersonating, in order to uncover a plot that spells disaster, not just for them, but for their whole empire. A group project? That's the worst. Vanya spends a long time in this book, determined to do everything on her own. She looks out for herself because no one else will, not without wanting something from her. Getting her to participate in a team activity in this book is like trying to herd a teleporting cat. It's very difficult. She has a rocky road on her way through this book, but I like how she landed. I really liked the Vanya and Emmerich team up. Emmerich does a very convincing hapless apprentice routine, and it's a lot of fun to watch. There is a sequel, like I mentioned, but the book does work well as a standalone. It's definitely set up to pull you into the second book to see where Vanya goes next. And I have heard from a lot of people that the second book is not as good as the first one, but it is still very good and worth reading, especially if you like the first one. If you want more media like this, I would say In Other Lands by Sarah Reese Brennan is a good place to start. Um, and maybe something by Holly Black. Maybe like The Darkest Part of the Forest. Join me next time to hear about Planet Fall by Emma Newman. As always, you can contact me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support it, the best way to do that right now is to rate and review it or just share it with a friend. You can find the pod on Facebook at Backlog Books Podcast or at BacklogBooks.com. The music is by Joseph McDay. You can hear more of his work at JosephMcDay.com. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope to talk with you again soon.